Hey everyone, this is the Church in a Brewery podcast. I'm sitting here with the Moyers. It is Memorial Day. We just grilled a bunch of burgers and Jason brought me a present. I did? Oh, yeah. some beer, yes. Yeah, what'd you bring? Sam's 76 beer. I knew it was 70-something. It was good. It was very good. Yes, it was really good. I'm not usually into lagers, but I like that one. It's really, really good. Yeah, so we just uh, hung out, grilled burgers, and played with my dog. And now we're doing a podcast. So today we have a topic, and it is, why does humanity need saving? So the first thing I kind of wanted to talk about is, like, what is this word, you know, saving? You, you probably hear people say, you know, I got saved when, you know, this happened or, or something like that. What exactly does that mean to be saved? To be saved means that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and that you will have um, an eternal life out past this, uh, past this earthly life is the real simplistic version of that. Okay. Okay. So it's kind of like you've, you've started a relationship with Jesus. So then that, that's something that will continue on after this life. Correct. If we're going to be technical, everybody's eternal. But if God's the source of life, then an eternal life would, would be wherever he is. But if you're not where he is, then it would be hard to have an eternal life. I don't know what it is. You're, you're still eternal, but it's not exactly life. You are separated from God. You know, like we get out of our own way and we put our trust in Jesus. But So being saved means we've got this relationship with Jesus, which is something that continues after this life. That's what that means. Um, what is it then that we would need to be saved from? Because I think some people would say we're doing okay, like on our own, right? Well, I guess I would say, you know, like getting saved from ourselves, you know, I think more and more we're moving into a society and a culture where we're becoming, oh, what's the word? Self-reliant. And I think that is a big problem because, you know, we take care of ourselves, but we are not the end-all be-all. Biblically speaking, the Bible talks a lot about being saved from when you're separated from God. So if, if God's the source of life, it would make sense to me that anywhere where he's not wouldn't be as nice of a place, you know? So also, right now, like, wouldn't you say on earth to some extent right now, like, we're separated from God? Mm -hmm. Yes, we're separated from God right now. We can't see him, can't talk to him directly, mm -hmm. um, except through prayer and so on. There are things about that that I don't like, too, because if God is the source of everything that's good, and we see bad stuff going on here, then I don't know that I like this place as much as I might like where God is. Danny, you kind of were on, on track to um, kind of bring up humanism. It's that view that, well, I don't totally know if I know the definition, but the idea that humans are are good and, and we're we're moving towards a better and better society and we're constantly improving and things like that. I, I could see self-reliance kind of following under that view. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I just, I think it is problematic because if we are self-reliant, then that kind of puts us in control, you know, and that is going to be a problem because we, <laughs> we have control of very little, I think, in the scheme of things. Um, and if we're trying to control our life, like where do you draw the line before you start trying to control other people, other circumstances, other situations? You know, I think that's where we need God, you know, because mm -hmm. he's the ultimate authority. He is in control of everything. Yeah. Okay. So 
I figured out that humans make a lot of mistakes like all of us do, even the best human you could supposedly find. I don't know that I really want humans in charge of some of these bigger decisions, you know? No, we are very complex and um, we are a mixed bag of motives. So we can't trust ourselves. Like, I think that is the bottom line of human (laughs) is, you know, like you said, like you could find the very best human on this planet, but they're still going to have a selfish core. Whether they act on it or not, I think it can skew their their good intentions, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Okay, okay. We can do we can try to do some selfless things, but it's really impossible for it to keep that up at all times. Right. Okay. I've heard a lot of people say that there is no such thing as a selfless good deed because you always get something out of it. As selfless as it could be, you always get something out of it, you know? You try not to get that, ooh, I'm good kind of feeling, but it always creeps in at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, And at least it does for me. It's pretty hard for me not to be happy with myself when I do something good for someone else. Oh, yeah, even I could see... Even thinking, oh, well, if I do this for this person, then this relationship will, will improve and, and get better. And think It's something that we want. I mean... You still benefited from it. Yeah, although that's a good thing, though, because you are thinking about right. the other person, too. But I see what you mean. Interestingly, there are two views uh, underneath this. You know, one view is humanity's doing good on its own. We're going to get to where we need to be. We're going to figure things out. Humanity doesn't need saving. And then there's the second view that humanity does need saving. Like, we can't get around death. We can't redeem ourselves. We can't get to God through anything we can do on our own because we're not perfect and we're not, you know, good. We're we're mistake-prone. So ultimately, we need someone else to save us, which probably sounds kind of weird, and we don't necessarily like the idea of having to rely on somebody else to do that. But let's kind of unpack these two views a little bit. Let's look at the view, humanity needs saving. Like humanity, there's a problem with humanity, and they need someone else to come in and save them so they can be with God, right? Mm -hmm. Let's look at that a little bit. So why do you think some people believe this view? Even if you're not a, a saved Christian, we'll say, if you look at all of the chaos and the sickness and the selfishness and all the horrible things that happen all around us every single day, uh, it makes people think, you know, something is not right. Something we need to be saved from this craziness. And there must be some sort of repercussion for all the actions that almost people will call evil, we'll say in this case. There's got to be some sort of repercussion for all of this evil. And even if you're not a Christian, I still think a lot of people think, oh boy, humanity needs saved from this mess. Okay, so some people look around and they, they see how humans, you know, are, and they see a problem. Mm-hmm, yeah, they'll see a, they'll see an issue and maybe not know how to be saved from it, but they know so, something needs to happen and that there really is right from wrong and good and evil mm-hmm. just by looking at what's going on around us. They can see people do good and bad things, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. Some people that I know, when when they've seen that, they've divided it. I'm speaking from experience here because I, I used to hold this view, but you could just divide that into good and bad people. Do you think that's the case? Good people do good things, bad people do bad things. 
Um, Put the bad people in jail, society will be good. Yeah, that worldview definitely exists. I mean, that that's the way to separate it. I mean, when you don't have anything else to believe in, something higher, that's really the only way you can do it, is separate the good from the bad. Is that possible, though? Uh, it's really not. There's a lot of gray area and, and people have so many different views on what's moral and what's good and what's bad. It's not really possible. It just gets all mixed up. Nobody agrees completely on right and wrong, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then on top of that, do you think there really are good people and bad people? We'll get to that further on down the road here. But personally, I believe in, in sin and all people are there and therefore, and all people have sinned and therefore uh, there's not really any good people per se. I mean, some people are good at some things. Some people are really good at being this or that or being very good at forgiving and they have good traits. But when we get down to the uh, sin that we'll be talking about here in a little bit, there's really not anyone who's righteous or good. Okay. Okay. So everybody's got this flaw. Everybody's, you know, infected to some extent with making some bad decisions or doing some wrong. Well, I think it goes back to them having that core that, you know, they have a selfish core. Like we all do. We're humans. And we have or we have that um, that core of self-preservation, you know, so we want to make sure that we come out on top you know, over the others and stuff. Um, I actually came across a really good quote, if you don't mind. It's from a Russian guy. I can say his first name, Alexander. I can add his last name <laughs> under the posting of this. But I think he described it really well. You know, he said, if only it were all so simple, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And I think that kind of hits the nail on the head. You know, um, I think every human has the intent, the desire to be good. But I think we can't overcome our human nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, that, that quote is like huge. I think it really speaks to the problem quite a bit because the reason people think that humanity needs saving is because all of us are in the same boat and we're, we've all got this problem that we can't solve ourselves. So we need God or someone else who's not a human to come in and solve this for us. If this was a problem that only affected so many humans and not all of them, that'd be one thing. But since it's everyone has this problem, then we're looking for an inhuman solution to this problem. So let's move on to the second view, and that is that humanity doesn't need saving. So I've talked to quite a few people who hold this view. I think there are several things behind it. One is the view that people are inherently good, as opposed to what we were just talking about. Because if people are good, then they can get to God just by you know being a good person, right? Sometimes they'll hold the view that society is improving. We can discuss whether or not you think that that's true. Are we becoming more moral as a society? Because I, I think that's a kind of a split opinion. I think that's kind of interesting because I have heard, um, I've heard of these experiments where a group of people believe that, you know, humans are in general good. And so what they'll do is they'll put together this experiment where, where they will make like a utopia bubble, you know, and they'll invite like a group of people to come and live in this bubble for a year thinking that 
they've got this formula and they're going to show the rest of the world like, look, all you need is love. All you need to do is just think that humans are basically good and we're going to prove it to you. But then like within a month or so, you know, they're fighting, their selfish motivations come to light and, you know, it doesn't take very long before the whole experiment just sort of like fizzles. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just think, you know, I think history kind of shows us that I don't think we're getting better. You know, we're humans, you know, like this is kind of who we are. (laughs) I think if we recognize who we are, too, then we would realize we need saved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, like on on paper, this stuff works out, but Mm -hmm. we can't pull it off. So let's just say we only have one life to live and it's on earth and that's all we have. And then people are inherently good, as we said. That just causes them to ask, what is the meaning of life? And so many people that I've talked to who think that we have one life to live, this is all we have, they come to the conclusion, there's no other conclusion to come to that except for happiness is the meaning of life. And so since people are inherently good, everyone has the right to pursue happiness. And that's about as good as we can hope for. Mm -hmm. And that we're we're good so we can be happy. And that's what we're going to pursue is to be happy. So I think that's interesting what Jason just said, um, because I came across this quote from Jim Carrey, who said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of so that they can see it's not the answer. Um, And I love that. I think it it really Mm -hmm. I think it really points to what Jason was just saying. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, when when Jason says that, like I almost I have mixed emotions about that because there is something really respectable about like, well, if this is all there is. If, if this is a situation we're stuck with, might as well have a good time, right? That's actually like a healthy way to cope if, if they're right. Or like, you know, uh, if I go on vacation and my car breaks down and everything goes wrong to think, well, I might as well go walk over there to the beach or have a nice sandwich or, you know, like enjoy <laughs> what you can. That is, that's actually a really good way to live. That's a, a good way to make the best out of your tough circumstances, right? The difference though with life as a whole, they believe there's there's nothing after this, right? Right. Okay. I suppose asking the question like, well, if this is if this is all there is, what's the point? That's a very healthy question to follow too. But if if they're wrong, if they're wrong and there is something after this life and they're not looking for it, then will they find it? You know? Like will will they get there? If there's no relationship with God to be had, if you don't look for it, then maybe they won't find it. And that's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. My dad, I've heard him say this many, many times. He comes from this from a, a, a Christian perspective. And when things are not going well, or like you say, on a trip and your car breaks down, his attitude, and he said this many, many times, was, it's all going to burn anyway, so who cares? <laughs> So what are we so worried about? Because it's all going to die and go away and, and burn. So so why should you worry about anything? Oh, man. I think I've actually said that as I'm, you know, when I was a kid, when I was like dumping plastic toxic stuff onto a bonfire. Like, oh, you're not supposed to burn that. Oh, everything's going to burn anyways. Like, might as well make a hole in the ozone, right? <laughs> I could understand, though, if someone didn't think that there was anything after this life and this is all there was then of course they're not going to think humanity needs saving other than to make life maybe better right now, you know, or not not destroy the planet, things like that. Okay, so to sum up this view, 
humanity doesn't need saving. There's a number of reasons why people might believe that, you know, humans don't need anyone to save them. They don't need a Jesus to get them to the next life and things like that. Some of those reasons, people are inherently good. Society is ultimately getting better. We're going to end up in a better place. Maybe there is nothing after this life and death's not that bad. You know, you just go to sleep. So they make the best of of what is here, which I, I find that to be valiant, you know. If you subscribe to this view, though, if everyone just lives and they do their thing and then they die, one thing that I'm wondering about is, is there actually justice in the world? Is there true justice in this worldview? So if this is our one and only life and nothing happens after death, the only way that justice can be dealt is with some sort of earthly punishment, be it by law or an early death or an early death for those people who are quote-unquote extra bad um, and have bad behaviors and actions. Um, That justice can be kind of seen as karma and bad people will get what they deserve on earth. Uh And really that's the only justice that's available really is to put them in jail or corporal punishment or or whatever to deal with them on earth. That's the only justice that is available to that view. Okay, that's super interesting because uh, we're talking about, one, there's man's justice, so, you know, put him in prison or whatever. But some of that's just random, like they get hit by a car, like a murderer gets away with murder, but then gets hit by a car, right? That's, That's random, right? What is that? So does justice actually play out fairly? in that type of scenario? Like, uh, are there people getting away with stuff that they shouldn't? Like someone someone does something terrible that goes unpunished. Is that type of thing happening in this worldview? Yeah, I would, I would think it would happen all of the time. It's not really fair, but that's just the way life is. So it's up to whether or not man catches someone, right? Yeah, yeah. If they get caught, then then justice can be served, and that's the only thing that's going to make up for it. So if someone's a murderer, the family wants justice, but they just want justice on earth. They want that person to pay for what they did, and that's the best they can hope for. Okay, so there is justice in this worldview, but maybe not true justice, because some people are getting away with some terrible things, things like that, right? Right. Okay, okay. What I think is interesting is... If that's true, I think it's interesting that some people are actually getting the same punishment who maybe haven't done something that bad. Like, I don't know, when I was a kid, I stole a bunch of fruit (laughs) roll-ups. Well, I'm ultimately going to die. And if that's the only justice that happens, like like Hitler, he, he did all these terrible things. And is death his only punishment? Is that true justice? Because like everybody gets served the same punishment at the end. Well, I guess people who are looking for justice in the case of Hitler, let's take your example. Some will say that he died earlier in life than he would have had he been a better person. And so maybe he got his justice because he was in his mid-50s when he died, when he committed suicide. I mean, he was going to be caught anyway. So, you know, that was his karma is he, he didn't live a very long life and he didn't get much to it. But it doesn't really work in my mind. Joseph Stalin, for example, he has 750,000 plus deaths assigned to him in history books, maybe even up to over a million deaths. And he lived to the age of 74. So people would say, well, 
Why is that fair? He lived a longer life than Hitler and, and he was, you know, he was assigned or he killed many, many people as well. So on a human standard, justice really is never fair. It just can't be fair. Yeah. uh, In this world. In this world. Right. It can't be fair, but we can do the best we can to come up with justice with our laws and so on and so forth. But it's never really going to be fair because humans are just not capable of making it that Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's like, what about a young kid that dies early? I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. Right. So that kind of throws the whole karma justice thing for a loop, unless that's something else. Like, where's the justice when a child dies of a random accident or an unexpected illness? Well, okay, when I see something like that happen, I completely understand why people feel like the world's random. Mm-hmm. And I, I think some random stuff is going on, you know? I think that's just what happens when we're not where God is. Mm-hmm. There's just a certain amount of chaos. Yeah. We internally, though, have some kind of longing for justice though i think ultimately we're searching for you know true fairness it's like we're we're programmed to want that i watch a movie you see somebody like at the beginning of a movie kill some cool character and like the whole movie you want to see that character die right like we want justice and sometimes we want that karma kind of justice but ultimately i think we're we're looking for true justice in a way that we've never actually seen in this world. It's interesting because we were just saying humans aren't capable of producing that kind of true, just and merciful system on their own. They just can't do it. We're not, it's not in us. And so the funny thing is, is it seems as though we need some sort of outside force to judge the life of a person. Mm -hmm. We need something else to judge that somebody who's more fair than what humans can be to dole out this justice right because we've we've kind of figured out we're not consistent and we're we're biased and stuff so this is what's really bizarre to me you know we're going through this whole covid thing i listen to all these different people try to figure out how serious covid is or how they should handle it or decide what's the protocol for the quarantine how are we going to do things safely no one can agree like it's all over the board right they can't figure out uh, how serious covid is and agree on it and they can't figure out what kind of safety precautions to take right well that's the kind of thing that i see when we try to figure out justice like one person's going to want to punish somebody really harshly and another person's going to want to let somebody get off scot-free for killing somebody or you know all kinds of stuff But for some reason, we all believe in justice, right? Like, we believe justice exists. I think that is like a universal idea. So I wonder, where's it come from? Because for some reason, we all know that true fairness is out there somewhere. We know we're not necessarily accomplishing it and the legal system's making mistakes, but I take the fact that everyone has this like pre-programmed idea to to look for justice and try to achieve it as an evidence for God. We're searching for an inhuman standard of right and wrong. We know it exists. We can't quite see it. The picture's fuzzy, but somehow inside we know that true justice exists. We long for that perfectness. Yeah. Okay, so if there's this idea of justice, right and wrong, we talked about potentially where it comes from. It either comes from humans, which we just talked about. That's kind of scary because humans can't agree on it. So that, that makes me a little uncomfortable. I want to know that there's like a solid measurement of right and wrong so I can tell where I stand, right? Because 
if it's up to people, like, I mean, that could depend on if somebody does or doesn't like me and things like that. That's kind of scary. So I'm wondering, is there a standard of right and wrong? Is there some way to measure it? Okay. If we were going to, let's say we're going to find a way to measure it, and biblically, it is measured by sin, and a sin is to commit an act that doesn't meet with God's perfect standards. Let's start with there as our, as our measurement. Okay, so God has a perfect standard. So that's interesting. Do we know what it is? Like, where does it come from? Did he show us that at some point? So he gave us the law in the Old Covenant, and there's an Old Covenant and a New Covenant. I don't know how far we want to get into that kind of biblical explanation, but God did provide a law and a set of rules to help mankind by letting them know what is against his perfect nature and what goes with his perfect nature. Yeah, so in the book of Exodus, second book of the Bible, there's this guy named Moses, and God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, which you've probably heard of, maybe heard of. Basically, there's like ten general, they're large overarching rules, and then he, he's going to go on to give some more specific moral rules. But basically, the gist was, if you live by these ten simple rules, that would provide a good foundation for justice. If you go to Washington, D.C., I don't know if they're still there, but there used to be this huge Ten Commandments monument out there. I know somebody got upset about that, and they drove a car into it a few years ago. But uh, a few years ago, they were still there somewhere. Do you know where they were? I'm not familiar with that. I can't remember where they were at. Okay. Well, anyways, giant stone tablets somewhere with 10 laws, like don't murder and don't steal and things like that. 10 laws that you would think everybody could keep. But unfortunately, like one of them is like, don't tell a lie. I'm pretty sure all of us have done that at some point. So we did at least get these 10 simple guidelines that are supposed to give us like a ruler. Like, how do you know what an inch is if you don't have a ruler, right? Uh, How do you know... How to measure something if you're not sure what the degree of measurement is. I don't know how tall I am if I don't know, um, if I don't have feet or inches. Someone has to define the standard so that I can figure out how tall I am, right? Uh, otherwise, it's just relative to everything else. So God gave these 10 laws to make it really simple. Obviously, it's you can dive into them. There's much more complexity behind them. But he set the standard so that we could kind of measure whether or not we were kind of doing uh, what was just or right by God or not. Side note, if you read the Old Testament, it can be really confusing because it's also filled with all these like cultural laws, mm-hmm. like don't weave three different kinds of thread together and stuff yep. like that. Like stuff that we don't focus on today. There's cultural laws that were meant to illustrate something, uh, to help the people learn. It was like an analogy to learn about Jesus, right? So a lot of that stuff didn't carry forward to the time Jesus came when he gave us a new set of rules, basically. But like, I think moral rules kind of stayed intact. So like, obviously we still try to follow the Ten Commandments, but we don't follow some of these other funny rules, right? Or rules that seem funny today in our culture. Those rules were there for for a good reason at that time. Yeah, a lot of them was sanitation. Yeah, sanitation, oh, you know. Oh, wasn't there the one about shellfish or like don't eat stuff out of the sea? And because a lot yeah. of them would have these allergic reactions that they wouldn't understand. Well, my favorite was there were certain bugs that you could eat and certain ones that you couldn't. <laughs> and even things like 
don't get tattoos. Well, there was a good reason for that. I don't think that uh, their sanitary system was quite the same as it is today when they're getting tattoos and what kind of ink they were using and all of that kind of stuff. Oh man! So I never those that, yeah. those laws were put there for for a reason to protect those people, mm-hmm. and those laws were also to set the Jewish people apart from the rest of the world. So they were a little bit different in that case. Um, using God's laws in the Old Testament. Obviously, like you said, those were abolished through the New Covenant, through Jesus, which I'm sure we will uh, be talking about in future podcasts. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and especially in the Old Testament times, like if they got a disease, I mean, they didn't have modern, you know, medicine or soap. (laughs) So like it was going to run rampant and a lot of them were probably going to die. So it was super serious. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to point out that you're going to read some things that you're like, well, why are we choosing to follow this still and not this? Well, it's probably because one's a moral law, one's not. And there were kind of new terms, or a new, I would say a new focus in the New Covenant, which, which is basically just love, but we'll get to that. So we mentioned we've got these Ten Commandments. Unfortunately, I think probably everybody who's walked the earth has broken those Ten Commandments. Not all ten, but like one of them, right? One or two or three. I don't know how many. But that means that we have all done something to fall short of the standard of measurement. So God gave us the terms, and we, we've we all messed them up somehow, right? Yes, we've all fallen short, as it says in the Bible. And this would be a good time to encourage people who are listening that if they're trying to figure out this whole thing about being saved and and what it is that we're even talking about being saved through Jesus, it would be a good time to let people know the book of Romans is a very good place to start, as it talks a lot about sin and falling short and how no one is worthy and no one is... um, no one can meet God's perfect standards. It's just not humanly possible to do so. Yeah, and that sounds all doom and gloom, but I want to point out that that's actually really good for us because if we are all in the same boat that way, and that means that nobody is actually in a situation where like, they can't get to God. So I find relief, actually, that, uh, you know, maybe it seems counterintuitive, but like, I find relief that we have all fallen short of this standard, because if some of us had and some of us hadn't, then that'd be a pretty tough position to be in, right? It makes all of us equal Okay. on some footing. I actually am married to a perfect person (laughs) in most categories. I'll tell you that she's got one or two where she has fallen short, but it gives me something to strive to. But you're in it for the long haul, right? I'm in it for the long haul, even though I'm inferior to you. But you're... <laughs> That's not even close to being true. So I'm going to try to summarize the two views that we were discussing because in the middle of this discussion, I realized, oh yeah, one of those views is actually like dividing in two. So under humanity doesn't need saving. That's one view that we talked about, right? And it's really hard. I don't want to stereotype, you know, that all of this group believes this. Well, I, I realize there's some people that believe There's no life after this, right? Well, humanity doesn't need saving because this life is all there is. The best justice we can come up with is man's justice, and there's just not going to be true justice. But there's nothing to save people from because there's there's no afterlife, right, Uh, in that view. Well, there's also a group of people who believe humanity doesn't need saving because we can save ourselves 
by being either a good or a bad person. And so that's what we were trying to get at when we were discussing, well, are people really good or bad? And what's the standard of measurement? So we tried to demonstrate that if the Ten Commandments were a ruler and and all of the other stuff that God asked us to do, I mean, one of them is just the greatest commandment, you know, love God, second greatest commandment, and love your neighbor as yourself. I guarantee every single one of us can say that we've messed that up. I've messed that up a billion times, right? So if that is the standard of measurement, then we've fallen short of that. So we walk through that to say that there's not good or bad people. There's certainly people that are doing more bad things than others, if you want to talk about serial killers or something. But we wanted to say, like, hey, none of us can really say that we're good people because we've all disappointed other people and failed to love them the way that we should. We've told a lie, you know. I don't know. We've all done something and, and, and probably continue to. We miss opportunities all the time. So that leads us to why some other people, why this other group of people, uh, us included, thinks that humanity does need someone to save them because we can't be good people. So if God is a perfect being and he's the source of good and he, he's created this perfect world, well, the only way we can get in it is if either we are perfect, which we don't believe is possible, or he looks at us as perfect for some other reason, right? Which, luckily, there is another reason. And um, I think what God is looking for is not whether or not we're, we're perfect or we've, we've done good things in our life. I mean, those things are certainly nice, but what if you're a person that's dug a huge hole in this life? Like, if the world is divided into good and bad people, and, and you've killed someone, or, or you've lived your whole life hurting people around you, like, what hope do you have to earn your way to being a good person? Like, you're, you're doomed. <laughs> I think about all the crazy stuff I did when I was in high school or middle school, and I'm like, oh, you know, I can't earn my way to, I gotta race several years of my life, right? The thing that's really appealing about the Bible and, and the way God looks at it is one, if everyone is in the same boat and we all have equal chance, we're, we're all the same distance from God. That's awesome. It is always attainable to have that relationship with God and be saved for all of us. I think that is a really comforting feeling because none of us have to feel like, oh, we're doomed, you know, we're too far away from God. We'll never be a good person. Well, that's not exactly what he's looking for. So, Dana, I think you had a quote that you found. Yeah, I think the author of The Truth About Us, Brent Hansen, I think he speaks exactly to what you're saying. He wrote, We are all about being good people, but in so many different ways, both Jesus and the Bible are saying that God isn't looking for moral impressiveness. He's looking for humility. And I just think that is outstanding news for, for all of us who are trying to get to that, you know, eternal life with him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if he's not looking for good people or bad people or, or people who have done this many good things or been perfect, then that's a huge relief. If none of us can meet that standard, then we'd all be doomed. Right. You know, we all have that scorecard that we want to, you know, shred into a million little pieces. And God's saying, I don't care about that scorecard. What I'm looking at is your heart. You know, are you humble or, you know, or are you proud? I think that's the the playing field that we're that we're working with here. Right, right. And it doesn't matter 
what you were a week ago or a year ago or you know it, it matters where you're going not where you've been which is also great news he came up with the most fair way possible to deal with this judgment and this injustice for all of us who don't meet his standards he came up with the most amazing way he introduced jesus into this earth to help us meet those perfect standards because Jesus interceded for each one of us who had no way of meeting those standards. So that was put in our place. And I really like how Dana is talking about being humble and God will see your heart. I really, I think that that's a good way to, to go down this, this road of good and bad, Mm -hmm. um, to try and be as humble as you can and start going along those ways as you're believing in Christ. The way God approached solving this problem is like he's solving like this complex math equation and he's got to get to a solution where there's justice, there's true justice. He's got to get it to a solution where there's mercy and those two things. And, and it's very difficult to come to a solution that includes all of those things, but he did it. And we're going to talk about that on another episode, but I think it's just amazing how he did that. And then on on our end, if what he's looking for is humility, then the question is, what is humility? And like, what exactly does that look like? And how do we live that way? Is it attainable? That's another thing that we'll be talking about on another episode. I hope this kind of made sense to you and kind of helped you understand what these two views are and like why we might actually need someone to help us out of our situation. And honestly, like that sounds like a bad thing at first, but I really don't think it is. I really think it's kind of a relief. It's kind of a big weight off of our shoulders. At least that's what it feels like to me. You guys got any closing thoughts? I guess my closing thought would be I'm really looking forward to the next episode in which we get to really wrap this up and look at the positive side of all the negativity around us. We can we can take something positive from this and not live in fear and anxiety, and we can be more calm in our lives and um, really live to help others and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about humility. And I agree. I think that it's going to be a much more positive side to good people versus bad people. I do think humility is hard, but I think it ultimately leads to freedom. I think it's going to be an interesting discussion. That's cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to exploring that. All right. Well, anything else going on with you guys? Going bungee jumping this weekend? No. 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 (laughs) (laughs) We're moyers. We're not exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Nonsense. The world's most interesting couple. Dos Equis. All right. Well, thank you for coming over and bringing Sam Adams 76. You're welcome. And uh, everybody else, thank you for listening. And yeah, if you got any questions, you can email us or message us through Facebook. Our Facebook page, kind of confusing. It's under Brewery Ministries. Go to the Brewery Ministries Facebook page and you can send us a message or you can email me at nathan.snyder at breweryministries.org. All right. Well, thank you guys and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.